1: The other hand is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hi everyone, it's Monday, the weekend after a fantastic few days of rugby. Uh, There was more than one match, believe it or not. I know the Irish audience will be interested in what happened on Saturday most of all. But as a Welshman, I want to talk a little bit about what happened in Lyon. But we'll start with the game. And I've got, as always, uh, at this time of the week at the moment, during the Rugby World Cup, Nathan Johns of the Irish Times, who today has penned an article for that newspaper, which has been, as they say, trending virally, I think is the expression, all day, uh, number one on the most read pages. And I dare I say, with a controversial headline, Nathan has taken some statistics, publicly available data, and done some proper rugby sports data journalism analysis of these numbers and reached quite a stark conclusion, which is that on the basis of the numbers, at least, if you'd seen these numbers ahead of the match uh, in some crystal ball sort of way, and you got the numbers without knowing the result, you might have concluded that Ireland, in fact, deserved to lose. So is that a a bit strong to say it that way, Nathan, or perhaps there is a more nuanced conclusion? Anyway, take us through this incredibly popular article that you've written for the paper today. Well, as always, these things are very nuanced and
2: one conclusion or the other uh, is, is a little bit maybe too strong on, on either side. And as always with headlines, they certainly come down. They don't sit on the fence. I think the the point largely tapped into, look, it's, it's a, like you say, it's a statistical analysis, but I think... It taps into the emotional aspect of I think anybody watching that game on Saturday night, probably, yeah, right up to the end because even after the the Jack Crowley penalty that that spread the distance out to the margin of of the scoreline out to five points, even at the end, we're given with, even with that, I think the overriding emotion was relief. I think if I remember correctly, South Africa did have a last-minute penalty into the corner. They tried the 15-man the maul. The ball did squirt out at the back of that maul, but Ben O'Keefe called poor play dead. And I think the feeling was relief. And then how in the name of God did they hold on given what South Africa did in that second half? How much rugby was played in Ireland's half? How many clean breaks and defenders beaten and opportunities did South Africa earn in that second half? And how did they only come away with, with one score? I think I don't think that's a controversial... Opinion to say that Ireland really did cling on by the barest of margins. Now, a lot of that is down to heroic defence, uh, which we'll get into, but a lot of that is also down to just variance and statistical variance, and the fact that when you have two sides that play completely different styles of rugby but are of very similar high standards. That's the difference between the phrase small margins, the cliche small margins defines elite sport comes from just statistical variance between sides that are at the very tops of their game. And so, yeah, it was just a case of using a number of data points that normally define rugby matches and how 18% of those came out in South Africa's favour. And as a result, you could look at those and go, yeah, Ireland's. Might, it might be luck. It might be that the the data points that they did win were so significant that they got them over the line. I think that's up to people themselves to decide. I don't I don't necessarily make a value judgment on those, but just from a pure emotionless, well, which you you can't take the emotion out of sport, but in this case, you can look at it. Yeah, you might look at those data points and go, right, how how on earth did
1: South Africa not win that match? So, are you going to take us through some of those data points?
2: Yeah, well, the ones I use, I, I start off with the fact that. Ireland have two really key aspects of their game. And so to take a step further back, I mentioned earlier two sides that play the game very differently. South Africa are what I would call a shutdown team. Their main modus operandi is just to shut you down. They don't want to play with the ball in their half. They're probably happier defending rather than attacking. And their main aim is to shut down your attack, force mistakes, earn penalties, and then kick, play the game in the right areas three six nine penalties when they force you into penalties and then they'll score enough tries either on turnover ball with their electric wingers or through their massive forwards in their line out more when they kick into your half that's what south africa do ireland do a lot of that as well everyone plays territory everybody wants to play the game in in the right the right part of the pitch everyone kicks a lot but ireland they're much more willing to go right we're on our own 10 meter line rather than our 22 we are willing to try and orchestrate a line out move or you know uh a move off third phase such as an inside ball like we saw against Tonga they're willing to orchestrate those things in order to, from deep from further back in the pitch so on a very surface level South Africa are a shutdown team Ireland they're a little bit more constructive willing to try and play their way into the game so when you are such a constructive team and you're willing to throw the ball around a little bit more it's probably not massively more your attack is obviously crucial. And for Ireland, the two pillars of their attack, in my opinion, are the line-out because that's when they get the best attacking opportunities because the defensive line has to stay 10 metres behind the line-out so you've got the most space to attack and set things up. And then equally, the, the breakdown. So when there's a tackle and there's a contest for the ball on the floor. Line-out, Ireland lost 6 lineouts, pretty much all in the first 20 minutes. Take that away from a data point of view. That was the amount of times Ireland could get a penalty, kick to the corner, there's a mistake, they're five meters out from the South African line, the ball goes dead or goes to a South African hand, there's a knock on, it's not straight at the line, whatever you have. The amount of groans that would have been coming from our Irish sitting rooms at those moments, that's what we're talking about here. 67% success rate, which for an elite side of the World Cup is astronomically low. So the line out completely was obliterated. Now, fortunately for Ireland, I think the fact that it all happened in those first 20 minutes is actually a benefit because then they had 60 minutes to, to 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 get it right, enough times to win the match, but still 67% success rate and phenomenally low. And then the other the other pillar that I mentioned is the the breakdown. I don't want to use too much jargon because I appreciate rugby people can kind of get into jargon that puts people off, but long story short, tackle, contest for the ball on the floor, South Africa made that contest last longer than it normally does we talk about Ireland being constructive and trying to set plays up the way they do that is by having multiple runners and multiple options and forcing the defenders to make decisions and when they make the wrong decision on who to mark as a whole if the ruck previous to that decision is very quick not only do you as a defender have to make a decision but you don't have time to get set on side quickly enough to be in a good position to make that to, to, to be in a good position to make that decision so if you if the ruck speed is really quick, not only are you stressing the defense in terms of giving the decisions to make, you are not giving them time to make the decision. Uh, previous to this game in the World Cup, Ireland's average ruck speed was less than three seconds, which is lightning quick. Like if, if you think about it, how what happens at a breakdown? Tackle, ball presented, two guys make a collision, fight for the ball. For that to be less than three seconds is, is really quick. That nearly doubled to 4.83 seconds against South Africa now you can make the point Ireland played against Romania and Tonga two very poor teams so of course that number is going to go up I take that but for it to go up by nearly double is incredibly high and last time we spoke we spoke about how Tonga actually did cause Ireland a lot of problems defensively at the breakdown and particularly in that first 20 minutes of that match so that discrepancy is huge so the line-out's gone and the attacking breakdown is slower than it ever has been really in recent memory for Ireland. Ireland's the positive bits of Ireland game are severely depleted. And then South Africa made more meters when they had the ball than Ireland did. They made they beat more defenders and they had fewer carries than Ireland. So and they also scored more points every time they went into the 22. They scored 1.33 points per 22 entry. Ireland only scored one. Both are low numbers for what it's worth, but so all, so South Africa shut down Ireland's attack and were way more efficient with their own attack all of which is to say they took out what Ireland were good at and were better than Ireland, not numbers-wise, of what better than what Ireland are normally good at and attacking-wise, all that comes together. You go, well, they've defended really well, they've attacked better than Ireland, and they shut Ireland's game down.
1: How have they not won that game? Okay, answer that question. How have South Africa not won that game? You've just uh, given me a whole litany of stats. I'm a numbers guy. I love numbers. If, if I was... A data analyst working for these teams, I probably would have been very, very certain about which way the result would would have gone. Um, so, can you explain to me what, in words that I would understand, and I am new, but why South Africa lost? Well, there's two ways of looking at it. There's
2: a, a very much a surface level way of looking at looking at it, which I'm sure a lot of people, having listened to me ramble on for nearly ten minutes now, are screaming into their headphones, going, "Well, there's one very obvious point to make, and that South Africa missed eleven points off the tee." Uh, If you remember, Faf de Klerk had two long-range penalties uh, from just inside the South African half. They went awry, and equally, Manny Libok, the out half, missed a number of of gettable penalties. Uh, Now, none of these were in front of the post inside the 22. They were either 50-plus metres or at an angle, probably 15 metres in from touch. So they're all tricky kicks, but when you leave 11 points out on the pitch in a five-point game, you don't need to be a, a a numbers guy for the record I'm not a numbers guy I don't have a numbers background I just find these things interesting you don't need to be a career statistician to figure out that's pretty important that's kind of the surface level reason there's two other numbers that went Ireland's way that I think are very important one is which they for all that Ireland's when they were attacking they really struggled at the at the ruck defensively they were that's the best performance any side in this tournament is probably put in in a defensive ruck in that they forced South Africa to commit seven penalties just on the floor when South Africa were attacking. That's the most out of any side in this competition. That's a lot. Um, equally, South Africa, when they were defending, we talked about how they defended really well. They did. They, by and large, shut down Ireland's attack. They went from scoring 59 points against Tonga to just 13 but they conceded nine penalties when defending. So whenever you're defending and you're trying to be a disruptor, South Africa, there's a risk-reward ratio. You want to disrupt as much as you can while doing so legally. They both disrupted a lot, but also did that illegally a lot. And they gave away a nine defensive penalties, which again is a really, really high number. And we saw how Ireland managed to keep the scoreboard ticking over in the second half. Um, well, within reason, Um they got you know jack crowley got that penalty towards the end for example um so yeah so south africa did what they did we're going to disrupt and we're going to toe the line in terms of illegality and they did both to a very high extent and you kind of go well when that happens you know
1: which way is the balance going to tilt and it just tilted uh, not in their favor so south africa gave away a lot of penalties both in attack and defense uh, will the South African press today be complaining about the tactics deployed by the team their discipline or their lack of it in giving away penalties or will the South African press and Razia Erasmus be complaining about the referee I don't think they'll be complaining about any of that I think they'll be saying we need to pick a goal kicker
2: that's the easiest fix in all this the tactics by and large worked this whole conversation is to say South Africa said we're going to disrupt them we're not going to let them do what they do so well they didn't but because when they got their opportunities which is we make sure that we don't play a lot of rugby but when we do play a lot we do play a little bit we get a penalty we kick it they just didn't do it so that's the most egregious thing the tactics were fine i mean any time you restrict ireland to 13 points given the way that they're playing in the last 18 months you're ecstatic you're absolutely ecstatic and so again for all of this difficult conversation Again, South Africa's game plan worked. They just didn't have the critical... The manifestation of that game plan working was the fact that they got so many penalties themselves when attacking because their attack was so good. It stressed Ireland, like we said. But they also gave away lots of penalties while only giving away 13 points. That's the manifestation of that. The execution, the final step is then kicking your goals,
1: which is the easiest thing for us to talk about, but clearly the hardest thing for them to do on the night. Talking of kicking, during that first half where in the lead-up to those botched lineouts, outs um, There was at least one occasion, possibly two, where Sexton um, didn't go for very kickable points. Um, I think it was the first time South Africa actually scored was when Sexton, from a very kickable position uh, regarding the posts, instead went for touch. They lost the line-out close to the South African line, play went all the way back up to the other end, penalty awarded South Africa, Three points, South Africa. Am I right in describing that as a six-point swing? Uh, that Ireland could have been three-nil ahead instead they were three-nil down within a few minutes um, of the original penalty to Ireland being given. And I think that might—I think that um, Sexton also went for the for a touch kick when he could have gone for the post a second time during that early period. Again, the lineout was watched. This time around, it didn't lead to a, an immediate penalty for South Africa, but again, it was three points that he could have kicked. So there's two, there's two
2: ways to, to, to kind of talk about that. The first is, the first example you gave when South Africa did go down the other end of the pitch and score a penalty. Yes, you're right. It's a six-point swing, but that is South Africa's perfect MO from their point of view. They have a defensive set. They force a mistake at the lineup because the defensive lineup is excellent, as, as, as the statistics show from that game. And Now, they're not always, very rarely are they actually going to go the length of the pitch as quickly as they did, they're not not built like that so it's a particularly good example normally the mistake comes on the halfway line and they can break or they force a mistake inside your own half but to force a mistake and then almost immediately work their way and punish that mistake by scoring because the opposition has to react that's their game plan and that was a really good indicator of that game plan really early on the second part to say is the winner always always writes the narrative because Ireland won that match it's brave Captain C from Johnny Sexton to, to continually go to the corner, to continually hammer away, even though the line malfunctioning, and just get that one chance they needed to score. Which is what they got. They only scored one try with Mack Hansen. If they lost that game, everybody's saying, definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and except expecting a different result. Ireland should have kicked their points. That's all we're talking about here. Um, it worked for them on the on that occasion. You know, Statistical variance, it probably won't work the next time if if you, if you replicate this game with the same conditions
1: I think it was in one of the British newspapers, actually, rather than an Irish report, on that try, the only try scored by Ireland, Mac Hansen. One of the things that happened during that, in which I suspect a a gazillion Irish voices were screaming, put the bloody thing down, was when he ran towards the post, having crossed the line and very perilously close to the dead ball line, and therefore negating his fantastic efforts. He was later claimed to be um, improving Johnny Sexton's chances of getting the conversion. and he made some joke in the aftermatch interview about Johnny Sexton's age. And in this article that I read in one of the British newspapers, it said that um, again, it's a stat compiled by an algorithm somewhere that that move by Hansen in towards the post, um, increased Sexton's chances, probability of getting that kick by 10 percentage points, which is not insignificant. So Hansen, in that sense, was right. But he came blumming close to that line, didn't he? Yeah, I think
2: everyone's heart, heart was in their mouth there, wasn't it? Uh, I remember certainly watching it on the screen and was I was convinced he was out. I was just, I thought, they're checking this. He's gone, he's out. Now, I was watching the match in a, in a very loud pub, actually. So I wasn't able to listen to the, to the commentary or to listen to whether the facts, if it was checked, by the tmo or not i understand if it was it wasn't necessarily clear to tell from the tv coverage whether it was um but you have to think that they did check it and i think from watching very grainy social media footage of south africans claiming he was out you can just about tell that he did get it down before his elbow hit the line but mother of god he really i like, is it, i don't know is that heart palpitation worth 10 percentage points of a, of a kick it's certainly not worth like you said, the winner always wins and always writes the narrative. It worked. You do it. It was the right decision. But um, you are certainly right that Ireland won by five points. And if if he got
1: that wrong, that's that's five points there. They don't get seven points there. They don't get. As you said earlier on, it it is always about the cliches and the cliche of it being fine margins. That was one fine margin moment. Um, another great Mac Hansen moment. I don't know whether Irish television carried it after the game, but on British television, he was interviewed and um like the good um uh, <laughs> irishman that he is sort of um he started effing and blinding and uh, only halfway through his sentence did he realize that he was live on television being interviewed and immediately started apologizing like a naughty schoolboy uh, having been caught with his fingers in the cookie jar it was it was quite quite a funny moment um well worth playing back if anybody gets gets the chance he's he is quite a character isn't he yeah max got previous with that I think during the
2: Six Nations this year he uh, or I can't remember what it might have been last year actually when he because he'd been man of the match in his first game against Wales so it might have been then but uh, yeah you know Mac has previous with uh, with swearing live on TV uh, and I think it's it's he's one of those characters that you can get away with it I think if someone else said that you might have a few annoyed parents <laughs> ringing in but I just think he's just one of those characters you just look at him and you just think yeah he, he can do what he wants almost just he's uh,
1: he's got that sort of uh, lovability about him I think in our first podcast, when just before the World Cup began, when we were setting the various scenes, you said to me that you thought that France was going to win the tournament. And you thought that there was a very good chance that Ireland would beat South Africa in, in the pool stages. So well done on your calls. You're a better forecaster than I am. Maybe you should switch to finance and economics. Um, But we're now shaping up to have a look at the quarterfinals. Nothing is certain other than I think Wales has now qualified. Everything else is still pretty much up for grabs. But clearly, it looks like Ireland, New Zealand. Is that right? Am I reading it right? Yeah, absolutely. So I was looking at it there. So South
2: Africa play Tonga next weekend. That's their final pool game. Uh, You you assume bonus point win, five points. Uh, If that happens... So Ireland have a week off now. If that happens, Ireland only need two points from a game, that game against Scotland to top the group. So that's either a draw or it's a defeat with both a four-try bonus point and a losing bonus point. Any sort of win um, obviously goes more than two points. So uh, based on recent history against Scotland and based on the fact that Ireland plays Scotland out with a week off, I think that's huge. The fact that they have a week off now after that, what was the most bruising game i've watched in god knows how long um, probably since the last time ireland played south africa funnily enough last year um the fact that ireland have a week off i think if scotland had them this weekend immediately after that you'd go right they might be able to, the, the not so much the physical physicality but also the emotional high and the emotional ringer that they would have gone through during that south africa game i think it is difficult to get yourself up to that intensity again so soon afterwards now they're gonna have to do it in the knockout stages i think they're pretty sure they're week on week it's three games in three weeks um but yeah i think the fact that they have a week off now there's no injuries reported yet from South Africa. I think they said it's a clean bill of health and they've got time. They are out of camp now, they spend three days with their with their wives and partners. and um, not looking at rugby at all. I think they'll be relaxed, rejuvenated, and um yeah, that they, they should beat Scotland. And like you said, that means that they play New Zealand, barring France capitulating now without DuPont in the group stages. But mm. I think uh, that capitulation is more
1: likely now in the quarterfinals than um when you say a week off, that that's it's more than a week to the next game, isn't it? They're... As in so, so far Ireland played every weekend mm. but you because
2: there you play you, there's there's an odd number of teams in the pools so every week one side doesn't play so yeah. there's five teams two matches four teams play each week some so for
1: example tonga didn't play the first weekend so the next game is effectively two weeks after that south it's africa game it, i'm pretty sure it's exactly two weeks i think yeah. it's a, it's the saturday evening again i need to double check that but yeah sure uh you've mentioned DuPont just briefly. I think it's, it's worth recording. That is an absolute tragedy for France and for rugby.
2: Yeah, and for it to happen in a game like that. I mean, a game that had nothing on it. I think France, what, they put 90 points on on Namibia. So why was he even playing?
1: Yeah, well, it's one
2: of those, isn't it? Again, the winner writes the narrative. Uh, you don't ask that question if, if, if France don't lose, so to speak. And losing DuPont, even though they won the match, is, is certainly a, a loss uh, for them. Will he um, make it back, do you think? They're bloody trying. Mm. They've inserted a plate into his face and there's all this rumour and speculation about is he going to wear some sort of mask, some sort of protective face guard. Uh, there's very stringent laws actually from World Rugby and what you can and can't wear. Um, there's a picture of, I know, of a former Biarritz in France. Number eight, uh, Emmanuel Haranordiky Arnord- doing the rounds because I think he broke his nose in a Heineken Cup quarterfinal years ago and then played the next week with this kind of like I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm not sure it's the right reference, but some sort of like Hannibal Lecter looking mask on his face, and I'm pretty sure that's illegal now because it can only be a certain thickness. Um, but yeah, no, there's there, he's definitely not going to play against Italy in France's next game. Um, they're just they they want they know they got they've got a quarterfinal against South Africa and all likelihood coming, and they're
1: doing they're moving hell and high water to make sure he's fit. Okay, well, good luck to him because I think you know obviously France needs it. He needs it. Um, it's his stage. It's his home World Cup. And I think everybody does genuinely wish him wish him well and a speedy recovery. But looking ahead to Ireland, New Zealand, and the other quarterfinals, but that one in particular, one of the things that struck me about the intensity of that game, the Ireland South Africa game on Saturday night, was you know was that the peak of the peak game in terms of excitement intensity? Could it have been a great final? Yes, I think it could have been a great final. Will subsequent matches, if not all matches, some of them at least, be anti-climaxes compared to that? Will the final itself, however it's a bit between, be, a, be an anti-climax? And specifically, I'm thinking about England's fantastic performance in the semi-final of the last World Cup, which was played with an incredible intensity. Uh, they really performed out of their skins. I haven't seen any data analysis, but I suspect the data would have suggested that just maybe it should have been a closer result, similar to Saturday's. Um, and then they just got skinned in the final. They couldn't raise their game. Um, it, it looked like a completely different team. Do, you, do you, I hope hope you're going to say no, but is there, is there any chance that that intensity on Saturday night could lead to a deflated performance next time out? And could New Zealand do a number on Ireland? No, because A, they've got so much time to decompress between that South Africa
2: game and the New Zealand game. That Scotland game, notwithstanding, they still need to go out and either win that or get two
1: points from that in all in all in all likelihood. Well Scotland will be perhaps looking to do a number on Ireland. Yeah,
2: absolutely. But I I, I think Ireland can pull away from them earlier than they pulled away from South Africa. And that, like even if that's an extra ten minutes of just non-competitive rugby, that, that's significant. That's extra energy reserves, extra, you know, mental reserves, all that, you know, intangible stuff. So the answer to your question is, yeah, it can be difficult to get yourself up for the next week, if you've just completely spent yourself physically and emotionally uh, in in one significant game, um, I think Ireland should beat New Zealand by, again, they should be able to pull away from them more than they did South Africa. Um, and equally, a semi-final is going to be, you know, could easily be against Wales at this stage, given what they've been doing. So again, there's, those are two games Ireland should win without necessarily having to get to the same physical and emotional fever pitch that they did against South Africa. And then once you're in a final, I think all bets are off. Um, if you're not up for a World Cup final, you're not up for anything. You can say if you want to that in the last World Cup, England struggled to go to the well again after their excellent performance against New Zealand. Um, I just I just do think South Africa were always going to have the ability to, to physically dominate them, um, like they can with pretty much any team. They physically dominated Ireland, but Ireland found a way to get around that. England, definitely England under Eddie Jones, and certainly England now are not... Uh, set up as a team to get around that physical domination. Um, they almost tried to play South Africa at their own game. I wouldn't necessarily say that was an issue of uh, emotional or physical reserves. I think there was more of a tactical and game plan and uh, uh, issue. England aren't set up to beat South Africa.
1: Ireland are. So we're looking uh, hopefully at um, Ireland-Wales semi-final and um, that's Wales's route through to the final in the World Cup. I mean, after that performance against Australia... I presume that we're fancying Wales as a bit of an outside bet now. Australia was shocking. <laughs> let's just let's just get that out there. Um, there's a lot going on
2: with Australia. Day of the game, reports coming out that Eddie Jones is interviewing for another job in Japan. They're losing their coach at the end of this World Cup. I I just think if you're an Australian player and that's come out, your guy, the guy you're supposed to be following in the battle, so to speak, and I hate those cliches about rugby and all this following people and battle and turning it into wartime terminology, but there's an element of truth in it when you're supposed to be following a guy and it comes out that he's already looking past you i just think it's so hard to get up to that um that emotional fever pitch that we've said that you need to get up get up to um and as a result you make more mistakes and again wales are a limited side but they've had we said this before the competition warren Gatland, when he has a couple of months uninterrupted prep time with his squad tends to do very very well with them he's a good coach of coaching a limited game plan that isn't overly ambitious but is really effective against a certain caliber of side uh again similar to south africa play the territory force mistakes capitalize on the few opportunities that you do get when a mistake comes now australia offered so many opportunities more than any other top side of this world cup will wales are not going to score 40 points against another side not that is isn't a complete minnow they didn't even score forty points against Portugal, for God's sake. And um, that's just not happening again. Uh, if it is in Ireland, Wales, they'll have to play. It looks like they're going to play Argentina in the quarterfinal based on Sunday's performance. You'd back them in that match. Uh, then you're looking at a. I think we need to double check the draw, but I think there is a possibility of of Ireland. Um, yep. I I can't see Ireland. Ireland won't fall. Ireland won't give Wales the. Wales dominated that game physically. That doesn't happen in Ireland. Ireland are Ireland are more than capable for, for Wales. And it'll be tight for 40, 50 minutes if that game does happen. But similar to how Ireland played Scotland in the Six Nations or played England in the Six Nations, a side that is physical but
1: limited, they'll, they'll pull away late. It was extraordinary watching those two games, the differences, not just in terms of quality of rugby, but the tactics that you say Gatland employed versus the tactics that Farrell... Uh, employed with 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 Ireland, uh, essentially. Any time Wales got the ball in their own half, I think just about every single time they got the ball in their own half, they kicked it. Wales or
2: South Africa, minus the sheer number of ridiculously sized men. You mm. <laughs> know, South Africa had RG Snyman, which, is, coming which up. is a big difference. <laughs> it's a collision sport. You know, again, mm. to bring it back to the original part of our conversation. The reason why some of these numbers are so shocking is rugby is a collision-based sport. If you win the collisions, you go a long way to winning the game. South Africa dominated Ireland in the collisions, both on the, floor, on the in, both tackle-wise and on the floor. Anyway, to go back to Wales, Wales do exactly what South Africa do. They kick in their own half. They Try and get your wingers and your fullbacks to make mistakes. They get scrums. They try and dominate you in the scrum. Funnily enough, actually, Wales did have a few scrum problems against Australia. That's something that if you're an Irish side, you're looking to tap into. You'd you look to dominate that set piece with, with furlong, especially in that front row. Um, yeah, Wales do what South Africa do. They they wait for mistakes. They capitalise them. We talk about statistical variance. You're not always going to be able to capitalise them. South Africa, South Africa couldn't capitalise on those mistakes against Ireland. Wales could and did so devastatingly against Australia. Um, I think you need to be a bigger. You need to be. You need to dominate
1: physically to win those games. Uh, I don't think Wales dominate Ireland physically. Okay, well, I suspect we might be looking around far too many corners, and looking to the to the next Wales Ireland game, the next Welsh victory against Ireland. He says sotto voce, Um, but it just falls to me say thanks very much to Nathan Johns of the Irish Times. Do take a look at the piece that he wrote in today's, that's Monday's paper, on lies, damn lies, and statistics. It's gone viral um, around the world today. So um, I suspect a lot of people have already seen it. But if you haven't, please take a look. Um, Well worth it. And a big thanks to Nathan. And we'll speak to you again very, very soon.